Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. We're so glad you've taken the opportunity to avail yourselves of our audio sermons. If they are encouraging to you, or if you just want to make a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and leave us a comment. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Greetings. God is just. Everybody say, God is just. God is just. Justice itself has a beautiful ring to it. A powerful concept that stems from the nature of God. The holiness of God demands justice. His image stamped on our hearts calls for justice within us. But fortunately uh, for us, we know um, that what justice offers, and it offers fairness. Fairness is something sounds good and sounds like something that we want. Justice stands, though, with scales in her lovely strong arms, blindfolded. She's beautiful, but she's blinded. And when people sin against us, we do cry to justice for help. David understood this, and he cried out for this in Psalm 35. Many wonder if it's appropriate even what he cries for in Psalm 35. He says, plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Draw out the spear. Stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause they have hid from me in their net, which is without cause they have digged a pit for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at unawareness and let his net, he that hid, let it catch himself. In that very destruction, let him fall. My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivers the poor from him that is too strong for him? Yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoils him. False witnesses rise up. They that laid charges against me, things that I did not even know of. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting. My prayer returned in my own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourns for my mother. But if my adversaries, you know what they did? They rejoiced. They gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves against me, and I knew not. They tore me. They ceased not with hypocritical mockers. They even feasted and gnashed upon me with their teeth. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their destructions. 
Rescue me from the lions, and I will give thee thanks in the great congregation, and I will praise thee among the people. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me, neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without cause. For they speak not peace, but they devise evil matters against them that are quiet in the land. Yea, they open their mouth wide against me, and they said, Aha, aha, our eye has seen it. This thou hast seen, O Lord, keep not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Stir thyself up. Awake to my judgment, even unto my cause, my God and my Lord. Judge me, O Lord, my God, according to thy righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Ah, so we would have it. Let them not say, Ah, we have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice against my hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all day long. David really wanted justice. He really wanted the people to get what they deserved who were after him. And many times we want this very, very same thing. We want to see justice served. Let us pray. Dear God in heaven, we, your people, have answered your call to come and to come together into this place as your people, as your church. And we come today longing to hear your voice, asking for forgiveness, hungering and thirsting for what comes from heaven to feed our souls. We pray that you would change us to be like you as we are here today in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. bit as we read our text from Matthew chapter 5. We are in our 34th week in the life of Christ and we are in Matthew 5. Now some of these things are also said in some of the other gospels and we'll get into some of the variations uh, but we're dealing with concepts that Christ is teaching here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. My sermon today, I, I call it, Turn Your Cheek and Love Your Enemies. Matthew five thirty-eight says, You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn away him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at law, and will take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. 
You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemy, bless them that curse you, do good unto them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward shall you have? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what more do you do than others? Do not even the publicans do that? But be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for your word that you reveal yourself, that we can see you in it. As Christ lived, he showed forth this in the flesh. And as we live, we are to show forth these very words in our lives. Lord, help us to see how to do that, how that can apply to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In November of 1846, a famed author, American author, one of the most famous American authors and poets, wrote a short story called The Cast of Amontillado. His name was Edgar Allan Poe. Now, since our children are homeschooled, I don't know how many children are having, uh, getting read Poe. Andy, are you, have you included Poe in the readings of your children? All right. And that's, I'm not someone to advocate letting our children read Edgar Allan Poe. Don't worry about that, okay? Uh, But when I was a kid, uh, I used to tell people that Edgar Allan Poe was my favorite author because I really loved the way he wrote what he wrote, but I didn't necessarily like what he wrote about. Does that make any sense? Kind of like you like the sound of music, but when you hear what they say, well, I, I don't like that, but I really like that guitar sound or whatever. So I really loved the way that he made his words. Uh, they were like they're, they're like poetry uh, that didn't rhyme, but it, he just had this amazing way. So anyway, so I'm familiar with this story. And when I the, the very first thing when I read Matthew chapter five, I thought of this. And you might say, well, why did you think of it? Well, the cask of Amontillado is a story of revenge. In fact, it is 150 years later, the quintessential, if if you're a person in Western civilization, if you've had any reading of any kind and and you read the story, it's in your mind and you have thought of the idea of Nathaniel even thought Poe said this uh, because he'd read the story or he had heard about the story, is he heard the, the statement that revenge, have you guys ever heard this? Revenge is a dish best served cold, okay? So what that means is it's better when you get even with somebody that you not do it right away. Jacob, I can see your mind just twirling right now. That you don't get even with them right away in the heat of the moment, but you think about how to really get even with them. So if you're going to get revenge, it's better to think it through. (laughs) That's a little scary, isn't it? Well, Edgar Allan Poe tells the story of the ultimate revenge against his enemy, you know. And so there's a guy named Montressor. And he insults this friend of his publicly, and the guy's uh, name is uh, Fortunato. And, uh, and, and actually, Fortunato is the bad guy who insults, and Montressor is the good guy who gets insulted, who actually does the bad thing. Anyway, 
It's a, it's a story, I'm not recommending that you read it, but it is a story of revenge. And the reason it became so popular, and the reason that 150 years later people still talk about it, is because what he does to this guy, Steve, do you know the story? What he does to this guy is just absolutely horrible. He invites him over and they hang out and they end up going down in the basement and they're spending time together and they're drinking and this guy has a lot of money and he's giving him the very best wine. Let's go further and deeper into the cellar. And when he's there, he ends up handcuffing him or chaining him to a wall. And while he's down there, he builds a wall up until he finally closes the man in in a wall inside of his house. And that's how the story ends. It's not a comedy. (laughs) It's rough. And in the end... He has gotten even with this guy. So, there's something in us though, and the reason why it's so popular, and the reason why it's so popular today, is because the idea of revenge, people love it. And if you, if, if you don't know who Poe, you don't read and you watch any television, you know that they are touching on these pleasure centers in our brain, okay? And I always like to know what they're trying to do. And, and they're, you know, you're watching, you're reading, or you're watching, and someone does something bad, and then they do something really bad, and the next thing you do, and you're like, you know what they're doing? I know what they're doing to me. They're getting me ready for later when they do something very bad to this guy because I'm going to enjoy it then. He's going to get what's coming to him, right? The bad guy is doing, he's mean to children, and he, you know, pulling the wings off of butterflies, or he, and you're like, going, oh man, I want that guy. He's going to get what's coming to him, or the kung fu movie, right? At the end, the final scene, they got to beat the really, really, really bad guys, got to get really, really, really beat up. And we love that. We watch the Western, and it starts off with the horrible thing that somebody does, and the whole movie is what? It's about. The guy who tracks down the guy and he finally finds him and at the end he gets what's coming to him. Guys, this is, besides the themes of uh, sensuality, this is probably the number one theme in all of moviedom, right? That's out there. It's the theme of, of cops getting back at people or people getting revenge. Well, the question is, you know, why do, why do we want this? Why do we like it? What is it about it that is so, that that feels right in one sense, but in another words, if you really think about it, um, you really shouldn't want it. But you see, the law itself teaches something that sounds like revenge. Andy hurts me. What do I do to make it right? I hurt him back, right? Andy takes something from me, I take something from him. He says something mean about me, I say something mean about him. That's what it kind of sounds like the law says when it says, it has been said of old time, right? An eye for an, and the tooth for a tooth. Now, the law is teaching something, but it's not teaching revenge. It's teaching justice, and it's teaching equity. These are wonderful things. They're glorious things. In fact, justice and equity are beautiful, beautiful things. But they're not the most beautiful things. You know how we talk about things, how there are things that God gives us that are glorious, right? Like it's glorious, Josh. You know, it was glorious when you were a single guy and there was life, right? But what's more glorious than that is now you're not just a single guy, you're a married guy and you're a married guy with baby James 
And now you're like, aha. Uh-huh. Now, now, you know, being able to play video games, you know, and, and eat uh, cereal for dinner and stay up late and double dip Oreo or whatever, that was all good, you know, and be able to like, you know, go to, you know, go to King's Island and decide to just stay all week or whatever, you know, you, that was good. And that was fine. And there's enough of that, but there's something that, you know, you can do enough of that. And it's not quite as good as what God can give you when you have some, Hey, wait a minute. I mean, here we have, uh, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Narwhal are here today and they're with their three children. It's what they're, this is mama narwhal. Tell me right now, this is where you want to be, right? You're with the grandkids and the kids and you're smiling, you're beaming ear to ear. And why are you, why? Because this is your life, right? And you probably can't remember all the games you played or all the movies that you watch. And you don't travel, you know, across the sea to go, you know, uh, you know, just be where they filmed some stupid movie you saw when you were a kid. Where, what your life is really about, the depth of substance has to do with your sons and your daughter and your grandbabies, Right? More glorious. Single life is great. It's fun. But what's more glorious is family and marriage and depth and roots, right? And posterity. And in the same sense, justice and equity are beautiful, but they're not the most beautiful things that God has given. In fact, when you compare them to other things that God has given, justice is ugly. And let's just kind of look at it kind of right in the face here for just a second. Mercy, forgiveness, faith, hope, and love are greater Now, the law teaches how justice, how every person in here is due justice and equity, and it provides the means for you to have it. Now, I'm going to say this again. I got a few people who need to just, if you you want to sleep the rest of today, do it, but I want you to hear this, okay? The law teaches that you are due justice and equity, and it shows you how to have justice and equity, okay? And how to get it. Someone takes your cow, how do you have justice? Here it is. Someone hurts one of your children, here's how you have equity and here's how you have justice. But when you start thinking about the actual making it real and getting it out there, it's pretty rough here. The image of God stamped upon us demands Justice, And that's why it's in the pleasure centers of our brain. Like we, we like to see when things are made right, when they're even, when they balance out, right? We like this. Why? Because God is just. Okay? And it should be an obvious proof of it. But now here's the deal. I'm going to try to make justice real for you for just a second in a way that I think is going to bother you. But it bothered, it, it bothered me and what I was thinking about it. So, so Steve, I was thinking about what kid to pick. I pick on the Ratliffs all the time. So I, I even wrote down not to pick on the Ratliff today. And I only do it because they're right here and I can't see much further. So, uh, so Caden and Jeremiah are over and they're playing airsoft with Nathaniel and Bench. Can you guys picture it? Could this, is, could this really happen in real life? Yeah. And so they're, and they're out in the woods and they're running behind trees. And, and Caden shoots Benjamin in the eye and he loses his eye. Well, that's bad, but, you know, we can fix that. We just have to take Benjamin's eye out now. Or we have to take Caden's eye out now. So I go to the Foises and I'm like, listen, I just want things to be made equal. And that way it's, you know, that way our family's not mad at your family. We love you so much. But, but we just need Caden here for a minute and we're going to take out his eye. Now, how, how many would be for that? 
Everybody say, not me. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, I've had a tooth pulled when a tooth needed pulled. Could you imagine if, let's say they had, he knocked his tooth out. We just need Caden in here. We need to take out his front tooth. Can we, can we do that? Come on in here. Now, could you imagine that? Can you even comprehend it? But the Bible literally says, what does it say? An eye for an, and a tooth for a tooth. Now let's get down to even more, but it also says a life for a life. So they were playing in the woods and he ran and, and his, his sword that he thought didn't have that point of a thing, it did. And it goes, it kills Benjamin. <laughs> Things can be right between you and me. Let me have Caden and we're going to kill him. I mean, the very thought of it should like make you just want to die. Right? I mean, really, would, that, would you want that snake? No, you wouldn't want it. I mean, come on. It would be fair though, Elaine. Come on. What do you think? It'd be okay with you, Caden? How about Jeremiah? That'd be all right with you? <laughs> I'd get all this Playmobil, you know, whatever. You see, equity, things being equal... In one sense, it sounds good. And in fact, we like this to be good. When, when someone gets a candy bar and, you know, Andy, see, I'm skipping around this. And Andy tells Matthew and Mark, this is for you two boys, split it up, right? What do you want to make sure? Come on, Matthew, where, where's Mark? Or I can see Matthew. Okay, Mark, Matthew, Mark. Matthew, Mark, you're to split it up. What do you want to make sure when you get the knife out or you break it in half? What do you do? What do you do next? You hold it up, right? Who's got the biggest? And so we, you know, people have this thing, okay, one of you cuts it in the half and the other one chooses. So that way, you know, so, so you know, down to the microscopic, he knows what I'm talking about. Down to the microscopic, you know, you know, it's like, I don't know, this one, you know, and you get the biggest one for yourself, unless you're like Jesus and you give, give me the small one. But we're not really like that. We like to compare and, we're, you know, what if, what if, what if, if I saw a kid see the small one and take the small one for himself, I'd just be like, that's it. I'm done parenting. Something good has happened in our house. They gave him the small, they say he took the small candy bar for himself and gave the big one to his, to his brother. But, but there's something, you know, we want it. And when we don't get it, well, you know, he took my thing and I want this. We, there's something in us that wants it. But then when it comes to, for us, we don't want it. You don't want it. You don't want it for you. We all want it for ourselves, but when it comes to having it apply to you, nobody wants this, okay? In the early 1990s, I was on a jury, and it changed my life. And I've told some of you this story, but, but like I can never get this story out of my mind. There was a young uh, uh, African-American boy... Uh, years and years ago, and he had committed a robbery, or well, a burglary with his buddy from school. They went over to their teacher's house because they knew their teacher would be in school teaching. And they're in school teaching, and while they're in school teaching, they know he's not there, so they break into his apartment, they steal all his stuff. And because this, the teacher was one of these nice teachers that invited kids and you know was kind to them, and they knew he had cool stuff, so they took all this stuff. And while they were there, they found a gun. Well, then the two boys argued over it, and they wrestled around with a gun, and one of them ends up killing the other one. And, you know, the boy, uh, you know, and and they pushes him out of the car in front of his own house and drives off. He gets away with it because they can't prove that he did it. 
Well, 13, 14, 15 years later, this boy, this boy is now a man, and he works at the Orient Correctional Facility here right down the road. And he helps rehabilitate prisoners who are being released, and he helps the poor, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. This guy who is a murderer. No one found out about it. He got away with it, and he lived his life. Well, Columbus State, which you, you go there or you went there, okay? Columbus State Community College was holding a panel discussion, and they teach criminal justice over there at, at Columbus State. And so they invited people from the local facility to come and be there and uh, to be on a panel. And so they needed someone who used to be a juvenile delinquent who's been reformed, you know, and so they invite this guy. And so he comes and he sits down. And, and there's a lot of people in the class. And they're all sitting on a panel. And everyone's asking them questions. Well, someone in the audience said, so you were really bad. Oh, man, I used to do really bad things. Well, what's the worst thing you ever did? He said, well, and he kind of looks left and he looks right. And he goes, I guess the statute of limitations is up. He goes, but I actually shot somebody one time. They're like, you shot them? They said, what happened? I said, well, he died. Like, oh, you killed somebody. Yeah. Well, guess who happened to be in the class? Two homicide detectives were taking a follow-up course. (laughs) They were getting their continuing education. Uh, And they get up and they arrest the man right on the spot for confessing to murder. Well, I was working at a place downtown and I got called up for jury duty and I went to my boss. And normally your boss will tell you, you can't do jury duty, you know, you'll get fired and so you go and you say, hey, I have a job and I can't. Well, my this guy was a, was a hardcore, bleeding heart liberal who believed in the system. He owned this business and he's like, man, you just take all the time you want. I'll pay you. It'll be great. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. So he goes, you'll be down there for an hour or two. They'll tell you they don't need you and that'll be it. I go there and I immediately get put on the murder trial and I'm on it for two weeks solid and I miss work for two weeks and I've had the time of my life. Evidence and ballistics and whatever and they call all of this up now there was no question in our minds that this guy was guilty of the crime but when the when the defense put on their thing you know what they did Derek? they paraded all the people that this guy worked with and all the people that he knew and they are just talking about all the good that he does tim and all the, the how he helps people and what a nice person he is and they come over to their house and he's my friend and and like for a while, I'm, I'm watching this now. The judge had instructed us. You know what our job was? Our job wasn't to find out how good this person was. Our job wasn't to decide uh, if we thought he had been reformed or that if he was dangerous. What was our job? We had to decide whether he did it or not. That's all. We, weren't, we were not given the opportunity of judgment. We were given the opportunity to assess the facts and decide one thing. Did he kill the guy? So the thing is going on and like people on the jury are like, man, he's a really nice kid. And there was another, there was an older black man. And he's like, you know, when I was young, I did a lot of dumb things and I could have done this. And so they're like, we should maybe vote to acquit. And we're like, well, you can't acquit a guy. We know he killed him. He confessed to it in front of everybody. And all the evidence that they didn't, couldn't use before, now it all comes together. And he did it. And there was no question at all. There was, it was beyond reasonable doubt that he definitely did it. And so... But we're watching this thing and everybody's heart's being turned by all these nice things that are being said. And it all changed when the mother of the boy who was killed got up. She testified. You know what she said? She said, you know what? Sounds like he's had a pretty good 15 years. And she said, my boy didn't get the chance to turn his life around. 
didn't get the chance to live 15 years and make friends and live in a nice house and have a good job because he's dead. And you know what? I'm sorry for all you people that like him and think he's fine, but I want justice for the death of my son. And you know what justice says? Justice put that young man in life in prison. And that's what happened. But I remember that woman, she, she, she just laid it down. What's, what's justice? This is, this is not the criminal mercy system. It's the criminal what? Justice system. Now you say, well, I haven't been convicted of murder. I haven't been... You know, in our lives and in our family and in our home, this is a huge problem. It's why, it's why husbands and wives fight. It's why children don't get along with each other is because they're going around doing what? Demanding what? They're demanding justice. Mom, do you know what he did to me? Dad, you know what he did to me? And when mom and dad aren't doing it, we do it to each other and we do it quietly. And I'm not saying you guys do this, but I'll, 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 I'll skip around. Jeff, not that he's ever done this before, hypothetically, uh, is absent-minded and he doesn't think of his wife when he should. And he does it so many times that finally she's mad and she's like, well, you know what? I'm going to strike back. I'm not going to talk to him or I'm going to ignore him or I'm going to be mad at him. Every time he looks at me, I'm going to give him this look. I mean, that's not on your wedding day. On your wedding day, it wasn't like, you know what, you know, I'm never, you know, I'm always going to look at you like this, you know. But like all of a sudden that woman you were married to, she's gone and there's this other person in your house who's looking at you like this. Like, I want to kill you. You make me sick. Like, has anybody ever, I mean, you could look, you know, maybe you could just do a, a survey. Has anybody ever given your spouse that look of like, you know what, you just completely disgust me, you know, you're just lower than pond scum, like that look, right? That look, if, when my wife looks at me like that, I am the most worthless human being on earth, I, I can do nothing. If she even looked at me like that before church, I probably wouldn't be able to preach, I'd be done, okay? So the Lord allows me to live a pretty decent life and most of the time be in her favor, uh, but occasionally I'm not, Okay? But this happens in our homes, and what we do is we demand payment from the other person. We pay them back. Because what do we want? Well, we're getting even, right? Isn't that what, isn't that what another name for revenge? Getting even? Justice and equity are beautiful, but they are not so beautiful in comparison to the beautiful things that God offers. God sees all that we do. And every thought that we think, and I shouldn't have to convince any of you that the one thing that you should not demand from God for yourself is justice. I mean, look, God knows everything you've thought and everything you've done. Are you, are you comfortable just being on an even, Lord, let's, let's get it all even. But the deal is, is that when people hurt us and offend us and do bad, we are there like David in, in Psalm 35. Lord, judge him. Lord, bring him down. Lord, smash him. Lord, get him back. And I'm not saying that that psalm is not the word of God. It's not, it's not appropriate in some senses. But the reason I had it to be, be our call to worship is David is calling for justice for himself over his enemies. And he declares that he's righteous. Now, that's a whole other discussion. 
There's a way that seems right. In fact, the Bible says we are all righteous in our own eyes, are we not? And in your home, when you're mad and you're making that face at Jeff, and you're angry and you're not talking and you're withholding what you can withhold, you're withholding yourself. Hey, you know what? Get away from me. You're paying him back. You know, you weren't there for me, and I'm not going to be there for you. Do you see what I'm saying? This payback is what happens when we do this with our brothers and our sisters in Christ, even in the church. This family, they weren't kind to me. They didn't include me. They did this. They did that. And you know what? And it's what causes pain and division, even in the body of Christ, when we need to stop for a minute and realize that if we had justice for what we've all thought and what we've all done, we'd be in horrible trouble. And in the same sense that God doesn't demand it from us, we have the opportunity not to demand it from others. Do you see that? You see, there were these laws in the Old Testament about um, uh, about justice and, and, and how to have it. And so we can call upon those laws to have it, or we can do something greater and say, you know what, I deserve this, but I'm not going to take it. The Spirit says to us, you can have justice, but you don't have to have it. In fact, a life lived not for justice and equality for ourselves is a life of mercy, forgiveness, faith, hope, and love. Jesus starts off the Sermon on the Mount with, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall what? They shall obtain mercy. What do we need? There are these laws in the Old Testament... And every time I say that, the law that I'm getting ready to tell you just completely goes out of my mind. I'm, I'm just going to back up and say it again. The Spirit says you can have justice, but you don't have to have it. A life lived without justice, mercy, or justice and equity for ourselves is a life of mercy, forgiveness, faith, hope, and love. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The Bible says this also, he that forgiveth much... Or he that's been forgiven much, what? What do they do? They, they love much. James 2 says this, Whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. He that said, do not commit adultery, also said, you shall not kill. Now if you commit adultery, you don't commit adultery, but if you kill, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. That means if you have the opportunity to show mercy to others and you don't show it, God's not going to offer it to you. Okay? So, let me get back to the law. It's come to my mind. There are laws in the Old Testament on, on a couple different items. First is, how do we deal with strangers? Okay? Now, everyone knows about pure religion with, with, with widows and orphans, but do you know it adds a, a third category? Do you guys know this? Strangers. And we used to talk about it more. Foreigners. It is wrong to take advantage of people from foreign countries who are here who do not understand our customs and our ways. The Bible forbids it. And it forbids it not because foreigners are any better, right? It does it so that every time we're kind of foreigners, Josh, we're reminded that we are what? We're strangers. That's what the scripture says. It says, it says the reason why when the stranger comes in your midst, you're to be kind to him 
is because when you do it, you will remember we were strangers in a land. But God was merciful to us. So we remember that we're strangers when we're kind to strangers, right? And so we also remember here that we have been forgiven every time we do what? Every time we forgive. So, Vito, when you come because Rebecca has angered you and you want justice for yourself and you want her to receive punishment and payment, what you're saying is, is you want me to do the same thing to you. You get it? But when you say, you know what, she didn't do the dishes, and this is all in your head, you don't have to come and tell me. She didn't do the dishes, and she didn't take care of this, and it was her job, and you just do it, and you don't say anything, you know what happens? You're saying to yourself, you know what, God forgave me, I haven't fulfilled what I should do, I haven't done right, I haven't been righteous, and you know what, God has not dealt with me according to my sins. God has not rewarded me according to my iniquities. And so I'm not going to deal with Rebecca according to hers. What I'm going to do is I'm going to forgive her and I'm going to love her and I'm going to do the work she didn't do and I'm not even going to tell anyone. Because does God trumpet it? Does God go around it? You know what Beetle thought? You know what Beetle did? You know what things she got away with that mom and dad did? Does God do that to you? Could he? Absolutely. Do you ever come to me and go, you know what? There were 24 things last month I didn't get caught for. I need you to discipline me for that way we can be even. Now, there were times I got whipped for the wrong thing and I thought, man, I've been so bad. How can I even complain? Because I got away with so many worse things than that. And that kind of rationalized it, you know? But there would be times I would get in trouble for things I didn't do. The one thing I didn't do. And... Kids, imagine this. So the one thing you didn't do, Rebecca, you're crying and you're wondering, but I didn't do it, and I didn't do it, and I didn't do it. Say, okay, let's recount all the things that you've done that I don't know about. And I'll whip you for those 40 things. Do you ever cry out for that? So you see, justice can't go one way. I don't ever want to be treated bad or thought to have done anything wrong unless it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt with a jury of my peers. And next thing you know, they're calling in a jury. And in big families, you actually have almost an entire jury right in your house. Twelve people of your peers. And they come in and there's testimony and there's this and there's that. And we all determine, who wants that? I don't. I'm glad that God was merciful. You see, justice put a guy who did wrong but has been trying to make up for it. He put him in prison for life with a bunch of killers and rapists. And that's where he lives. And he lives there now. I'm here and I've been out free for all these years. And he's in a prison. And he probably would have never done wrong again. Because justice says he must go there. But what would you get if justice was demanded for you? You have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite you on your right cheek, turn in the other. What we miss here is we quote this turn the other cheek all by itself. And we miss the fact that what he's saying is, is when someone smites you on your cheek, do you know what they are owed to make it right? They're owed for you to smack them back. But Christ is saying this, you've been forgiven So when you get whacked on your face, you should say, hey, you know what? You whacked me for something I may or may not have done. That's okay. In fact, I've done so many things in my life. Could you just hit me again? Now, what we know is that if you do that to somebody, there aren't too many people alive that will hit you again if you don't hit them back and you offer them. There there are a few, but there aren't too many, right? 
it puts an end to it because all of a sudden it reminds them of something that is more beautiful than justice. It's mercy. The guy realizes, you know, that guy could take my head off. Look at this big, strong... It's a rat lifting and he's on the front pew. Okay. This big, strong Andy Cusel could beat me up. He could just destroy me. I, I, he's got these kung fu moves. But instead, he's merciful. When they hit you on the cheek and you offer the other one, you are saying to yourself and to God and to them, you're painting a portrait of what you have the opportunity to do something very powerful, much more powerful than whack them back. Now, this is not to say, this is not talking about war. This isn't talking about, you know, the criminal justice system should just go around telling, you killed one, you can kill another. That's not what this is about. This is about when the power is in your hands as an individual, that the lifestyle of the member of the kingdom, that a person, one man to another man, your, yourself to your wife, yourself to your children, your children to each other, that instead of trying to act like we live in a criminal justice system, or that we're nations with a treaty, or that we're the people with the power of the sword, we say, you might have the power of the sword, but I have the power of mercy. Which is much more powerful. So they whack you on the one cheek and they deserve and they're owed it, right? But you don't give them back what they owe. In fact, you give them more. And that's what he goes on to teach. He goes on to teach that if any man sues you in law. Now, now it's the opposite. Now he's hurt you, right? And he's guilty. But now it goes the other side. Now you've hurt someone else. So he takes you to law and he sues you and he, he earns your coat, Right? So he earns your coat because in the first instance, you're not guilty. He hits you. He's guilty, right? Now Jesus is flipping it on the side and he's saying, now you've been sued and you lost and you're owed a coat. So now what do you do? So he showed you what to do when you're right, but now he's showing you what to do when you're wrong. Are you following it? So when you're wrong and they sue you and they get your coat, instead of begrudgingly like, well, they ain't never going to get anything else out of the, It'll take them 100 years to get their coat out of me. What you do is, you know what? I wronged you. I'm sorry. I owe you a coat. Can I give you my shirt too? He's showing us the power of life in the kingdom. I mean, when somebody comes and says, I mean, look, can you imagine a guy that stole from you? And you're mad and you're fired up about it and, and you catch him and he says, you know what? You're right. I did. And he said, you know what? I could give you all the excuses in the world why I'm poor and why I did it and I shouldn't have done it. But you know what? Not only am I going to do this, I, I come, I, I'd like to give you $500 more. You're almost going you're gonna, to you're gonna be like, you're, it's going to affect you in some way. Now, there's a good thing that comes. The Bible, when a man steals and he has to work back, that does him good, right? But, but the very best thing, like those are all good things. It's better than locking him in prison. Give him a chance to work and pay back. But God is saying, that's all good. Kind of like Onesimus and Philemon. You, when he comes back, he is, he, by all the law and all the accounts, he's your slave and he needs to stay your slave. But you know what would be nice? What if you let him free? What if, in fact, the debt that you owe me... You account it to that and, and let me pay the debt, his debt slave. See what I mean? Paul wasn't demanding it. He's offering it. And Jesus here is telling us that we can offer the world something much more glorious than justice. 
And we can offer our brothers and sisters and our wives something much better than justice and equity in our homes, but that we can offer them mercy and love and forgiveness. And every time, Elizabeth, you do that in in Rebecca's life, it causes you to remember how Christ paid a debt you could never pay. Every time you're angry, all of a sudden it diffuses your anger. I mean, now are you mad? Now are you mad that she didn't clean up her thing and that she didn't do her work? And you know what? What does this do to her? Does it stir up strife in the home between you? Or does it cause her to love you? What's it do? What would happen, Rebecca? How would you feel about Elizabeth if she didn't tell on you and she did your work and she was kind to you and she never told on you? How would you feel? Would you be like, what a terrible sister she is? The Bible says, he that's been forgiven much does what? Love much. Don't you want to love each other? So when, when Luke sins against me, do you know what it's an opportunity to do? It's an opportunity for Luke and I to love each other more than we ever have. It's an opportunity for me to remember my sin and offer him pardon and forgiveness and love and for him to go, wow, he's doing for me what Jesus does for me. And I'm doing, wow, I'm doing for him what Jesus did for me. And we're now not thinking about each other in the offense and the hurt. And now our sin becomes a way of drawing us closer together. Isn't this incredible? And just to be a little bit more, I know I, I know I go a lot into the matters of the heart, and sometimes people need a little bit more. He goes on to to take this to owing money. First, it's when you when you are wronged. Second, it is when someone wrongs you and the third is not about right and wrong it's about money money is an important part of our society amen we all got to have it we all got to live on it and you know and i i almost want to stop because it's a big subject here but the, the level of poverty that these people lived in is beyond your comprehension because they deal with and jesus deals with this too in the in the former thing about your coat I mean, who in the world goes, you know, who in the world goes to court and they award a coat, right? Well, it was part of a normal life. In fact, the normal life of the Old Testament, people were so poor, Paul, that they would be hungry for food. You ready? But they had work that they were getting ready to do later that day. And so they would come to you and they'd say, listen, I'd like to eat now. I haven't eaten in three days. I got work tomorrow. I'm going to give you my coat. It's freezing. I'm going to freeze tonight without it. I'm going to freeze today without it, but I'm going to have work and you can hold my coat. And if I don't come and pay you back, brother, you can keep my coat. It's where the idea of collateral comes from. You know how now they say, if you want a loan, can we hold up for collateral? Can it be your home? Can it be your car? Can it be whatever? Do you, do you have any collateral? These people were so poor, Becky, all they had was that. We don't even comprehend it. God has these commands in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 24, saying if someone's that poor, Jason, and they come to you, you better not keep their coat overnight and let them be cold. The law deals with that. Don't take a, their, a coat from a poor person. You see what I'm saying? And the Bible deals with not being unkind to the poor and taking advantage of them. And we live in a society where the buy here, pay here's, where the payroll advance places, where, where people who are uh, take advantage of the poor on a regular basis. God hates this. And God hates it 
Not just in the law of Jesus and mercy and all that. God hates it even in the, in the Old Testament law. He hates it. But that's where this whole concept of it is sues you for the code. That's where it comes from, okay? Uh, when your neighbor makes a loan of any sort, you shall not go into his house to collect the pledge, which a lot of times is coat. You shall stand outside. The man whom you make it the loan shall bring his pledge out to you. If he's a poor man, you shall not sleep at his pledge, you know, like make it a cover for yourself. You shall restore him the pledge when the sun sets that he may sleep in his own coat and bless you. I mean, it should it should bless you that he's sleeping in the coat that he didn't pay you back for. This isn't the law. You shall not oppress the hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of your sojourners who are in the land uh, with your towns. You shall give him his wages on the very same day before the sun sets. For if he's poor, he's counting on this money, lest he cries to the Lord against you and you be guilty. Father shall... Not be put to death because of their children, nor shall the children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. You shall not pervert the justice due to a stranger or a fatherless or take a widow's garment as a pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. And therefore, I command you to do this. You see, Jesus was looking at the law. They had seen it as revenge, as payback. And he's saying, I made these laws because the laws, if they're understood, because, see, the Bible doesn't say there isn't any law. It says that he came to help us understand it and to fulfill it. And he said, all the law hinges on loving your neighbor as yourself. So when he made these laws, he was doing this not so we would know how better to take advantage of our brothers and sisters and have laws to deal with it, He was saying, he was teaching, Jesus was teaching the beauty of the law. Then he deals with not only when someone owes you money, but when someone asks for you something, whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. So now you don't owe anybody money, you haven't been wrong, nobody wrongs you, now you're in a fourth thing. Someone's just asking, hey Paul, will you help me? Paul's like, oh no, that's all I need. All I need for someone else to ask for my help. This isn't for you to go to Paul and go, Paul, you know, the Bible says if someone, if someone asks you to cut their grass, you will cut them and their neighbor's grass. Could you, and as a result, you need to cut my grass because God's word says, that's not how it works. Okay. It's that we are literally the idea of going the extra mile, doing more than is required. If it's like, it's like last night, Rebecca, you're cleaning and, and I'm like, Honey, you want to go away and you want to do more than you've been asked to do. If you live your life like that, you're going to have a better life. If you just meet the minimum requirements and you go away, there's not a lot to feel good about. But when you give more than is asked of you, you do what God's Word says and what Jesus is teaching. If someone says, you know, do the dishes, maybe you should put them away at the end after they're clean. Or someone says to this, you should maybe clean out the sink too. If someone says to clean your bedroom, you might want to maybe clean the bathroom too. Do you see what I'm saying? Doing more than is required. What we want is what? Well, will you, how many have had your kid ask you, well, you didn't ask me to do that. Like, well, did, did you not step over the pair of, you know, dirty socks like 18 times? I've seen them in there. In fact, you know, out of bitterness, I wrote down the date. And, you know, six months later, that same pair of dirty socks was sitting there. And just keep it wasn't them I picked them up yesterday, right? Right, he those. It, it those weren't my socks. They're like, I can tell they're your socks. <laughs> this attitude and lifestyles goes, as I said, for what 
I'm going to have to end. I've gone too long. I'm sorry. I got carried away. Because the reason why I'm going is this. This is one little package thought. It is about a series of behaviors that have to do with being wronged, with wronging others, what other people ask of you, how to deal with money. It's this, this way of living. But I think we understand it. Okay? Everybody say, blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. I think some of you and I think myself should look forward to the next time we are sinned against by your husband or your wife or your brother or your sister. The Bible says we are to be doers of the word, not hearers only. So, so Caitlin, when Josh sins against you the next time, you know what you have the opportunity to do? What Jesus says here. You don't, you don't have to hold him account and, and, and make him pay and, and make it even. You have the opportunity to love him. And you have the opportunity to remember how God loves you even when you sin against Him. Amen? Robinette kids, you listening? Alright? I want my children to love God and I want them to learn this way of life because you think, do you think the world will be better or do you think their lives will be better too? What do you think? The whole world and themselves, okay? So there are rewards to righteous living and there are benefits to having love in your home and forgiveness because blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. With the measure that you judge others, so shall you also be judged. If Hannah is really hard on people when it comes time and she's caught... Everybody wants to make sure she gets it because she's been hard on everybody. But if Hannah is sweet and kind and forgiving and loving, when it comes her time, mom and dad are like, well, you know, that's Hannah. She's forgiving everybody, loving everybody. We, let's not be that hard on her. I'm telling you, that's the way mom and dads think, kids. Unless they're, they need Jesus more than I think. All right, let's pray. Lord, I think there's so much that we can do with what we've learned today. And I just, kind of sounds funny to say it this way, but Lord, we, we should look for these opportunities to come where people owe us and where we are wrong and in and, and these situations that we can, instead of give them back another hit on their cheek, instead of demand that they get a spanking or they get justice or we pay them back by withdrawing our affection or withdrawing our attention or that those kind looks those beautiful looks from our wives lord i pray that we would get them whether we don't deserve them and we should remember how we don't deserve your grace and your mercy that when those who offer them offer them in spite of the fact that the person getting them doesn't deserve them it would remind them you know what god does this for me too oh lord if we could live this way Oh, how our churches and how our families and how this world would be such a different place. As Brother Andy read for us today, we ought to compete to see who can honor the other more, to see who can forgive the other more. Oh, Lord, this is a competition. It's a race I want to be in, oh, God. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. 
go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.